The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Hello again, and a welcome to another edition of the TOST Toddcast with Coach Q here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network. I'm Todd Bloniars, alongside Belmont High School head football coach Jan Kuman. And uh, as we like to uh, mention, in fact, uh, I kind of have uh, an ulterior motive. You may have noticed we haven't been on in a couple <laughs> weeks. I intentionally canceled our show last week. Uh, our weekly interview with the coach because I was trying to see if we could elicit any uh, questions on Twitter. No, no questions. <laughs> to the Q's for Q hashtag, which I've been uh, shamelessly plugging every single one day. Week. One day. Yes. Um, you know, it didn't work. You know, no, no one, no one even questioned. Hey, where was last week's? <laughs> where was last week's podcast with Coach Q? Come on, where is it? Uh, uh, but. You know, just in case you ever do feel like it, if you happen to be on Twitter and you, uh, you're you looking for a fun new hashtag to play with, uh, Q's for Q, <laughs> send us, send a comment, send anything at this point. We're, we're we, I don't care. <laughs> just, I'd like to get something there. I mean, just one. Especially with the season. That, I'm going to plant a, I'm going to get a plant. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to my network and, and, and get a plant. Somebody's going to plant a question. Those are the dulcet tones of Coach Q. Don't forget you can follow him on Twitter, at Q underscore Coach, as well as Belmont Football. That's at Marauder F-Ball. You can follow Time Out for Sports Talk on Twitter. Our handle is at TOSTBMC. There you will find the links to our weekly programs during the football season, and links are also posted on the TOST Facebook page where you can become a fan. Just search Time Out for Sports Talk. Well, Coach, I know we got some uh, some catching up to do here. Uh, sure. It's been uh, a couple of weeks. Like I said, I, I, I actually it was because of some scheduling conflicts on both sides, so that's uh, that's fine. Oh, I thought I would use that as a good excuse to say, hey, maybe someone will like post something on Twitter, like, hey, I'm, I'm missing those weekly interviews with Coach Q. <laughs> I got to get me some. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, you know, the team was where we last left off on the last episode of the, <laughs> of the Toddcast with Coach Q. Uh, Todd asked Coach Q about and congratulated him about his, uh, you know, Belmont football uh, making the playoffs for the first time under the new uh, MIAA uh, structure, uh, making the, uh, the D3 North sectional. And uh, that was uh, right before the big game at Danvers. So we'll start by talking about this game boy i wish i'd been able to attend this game in person reading the recap probably doesn't do it justice uh kind of a, a wild game uh, you know you guys uh, fell into a big hole in the first half uh down by 30 points but kind of as was typical uh reminiscent maybe of the reading game that i did attend yep. and and some others uh you know this team has shown a lot of fight this year even in the losses and uh, coming back, uh, outscoring uh, Danvers 29-14 uh, in the second half. Um, well, just, I guess, just talk, uh, you, well, I mean, I read one recap. The last line of the uh, article said, uh, your quote, I'm proud of this team. These guys didn't quit, and they wouldn't let you quit. So just uh, talk about uh, about the Division Three North quarterfinal game a couple of weeks ago yeah. uh, at Deering Stadium. I mean, obviously we're disappointed with the result. Uh we definitely think that that's a, a team that we could have competed against a little bit better than we did and, uh, you know, a team that we could have beaten and, and, and we didn't. Um, we just spotted them out the gate. You know, it was uh, uh, the first half of that football game. Man, it was not <laughs> clearly uh, not our best half. You know, I think defensively 
you know, maybe we just had stars in our eyes a little bit. Maybe we were just a little, uh, uh, a little, you know, doe-eyed at, at, oh, yeah, a little, <laughs> thing, that's water. Thank yes, you. okay. Uh, maybe we were just a little. Thanks for breaking down that fourth you. wall. <laughs> yeah, sorry. To, that's okay. <laughs> uh, maybe we were just, you know. I you that before we went on the air. Maybe All we were right. just a little doe-eyed, you know, in that first half and, and our first, you know, that's probably the first playoff appearance by a Belmont football team in 15, 20 years, um, you know, at least. So I think that contributed to it a little bit. Um, we just really didn't execute on either side of the ball. We made some bad decisions um, with the football um, that contributed to that, you know. And we kind of went in at halftime and, and said, what do you want this experience to be for yourself? You know, we made a couple of adjustments scheme-wise, um, came out and did some things a little bit differently. But, you know, that was really the question. What, what do you want this experience to be for yourselves, right? Because it's, you know, 30, 36 to 6 um, at the end of this half. And – you know, do you want it to be 50 to 6? Do you want it to be 55 to 6? What, what do you want it to be? You know, and, and we came out of, into that second half and in our first possession threw a pick six, right? That was – they only scored one offensive touchdown in the second half. The The first touchdown that they scored uh, was a pick six. Yeah, Matt McCarthy uh, intercepted uh, Avery Arno's pass, ran it back 45 yards. McCarthy, of course, was kind of the guy to watch yeah, going into their, the game. their there. guy. And then yeah. um, in their second touchdown, we went for an onside kick and kind of fell asleep a little bit on it, and they picked it up and advanced. Um, they recovered it. It didn't go 10 yards. They recovered it at, like, 6 and picked it up and ran another 15, 20 yards with it, and we caught them from behind. So they had, like, a 20-yard field um, to score their, their second touchdown. Outside of that, our defense was stout. You know, it felt like – and that wasn't their twos or anything like that. You know, it, it felt like they kind of thought they had the game wrapped up, and all of a sudden it was a two-score game. You know, and we gave them a pick six and a short field touchdown. So I'm looking at that and saying, man, if we had one defensive stop in the first half and just don't commit a turnover in the second half or don't give them that short field in the second half, we're talking about a tie ball game. We're talking about a close possession ball game, one touchdown ball game going down to the wires. So for me and for the squad, that's the thing I'm just really proud of. You know, we kept working, man. We kept coaching. We kept our kids in this game. They kept us in this game. Nobody hung their head and stopped playing football. I just kept saying all night, I want to play more football. I want to play more football. Y'all want to play more football. Let's play more football, you know. And I'm super proud of that for our for our first endeavor into the MIAA playoffs. Um, not proud of the result, obviously. We wanted to win that game. Um, but – absolutely proud of how it is that my guys responded to adversity and how it is that they took it upon themselves to carry themselves the right way and to keep working hard and to keep playing ball and uh the whole chain gang over there at danvers came up after the game and and it's you know these moments are really cool for us kind of shook me by the hand and said coach you and your staff we've been doing this for three years now here at danvers and you and your staff are just one of the best staffs we've ever seen. You just keep working and you keep coaching. And, you know, it's not that's not really about ego inflation. For me, it's just a, a vindication of what it is that we do and what it is that we teach, right? Keep getting better. Get yourself another rep. Every rep matters, whether you're winning by 50 or losing by 50. Just live in that repetition, man, and go get yourself another piece of work. And, and they did that. Yeah, well, it's still got to make you good to feel that or to hear that and to, you know, for the team to hear that too. I mean, because – you know, 
the Belmont program isn't exactly maybe that well known across Eastern Mass. It's no. certainly not in the the Cape Ann region where Danvers is situated. So for their coaching staff, I mean, they don't really know you at all before no. the game. But you know, having uh, gone through that game experience with you, I mean, you know, they say it's not so much ego boosting, but just like you say, it's a vindication. Yeah, and, and I mean, it felt great. It yeah. felt great for my staff, man. I mean, I just I have I have a great group of guys surrounding me on this coaching staff, you know, and they wanted that game too as much as the kids wanted it you know we're all competitive guys here um and they could have hung their heads too right they could have pouted they could have back talked they could have second guessed they could have captain hindsighted everything and and they did the opposite of that right we 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 grouped up outside of going in the locker room and said this is what we're going to do and we're going to stay together and we're going to be you know, a family within our family, and we're going to take that out to our kids. And, you know, I, I remember saying, anybody who's not down to do that, tell me right now, and you can just go and get on the bus. And you can sit there and get on the bus. But everybody who's walking into this locker room to this group of young men right now who who want to play the second half of football, who doesn't believe that we can come out here and win this football game, that's fine. But go sit on the bus. And I looked out to my brothers, man, and every single one of them was just staring right at me nodding their head, saying, let's go, coach, right? So then we made our adjustments. We talked about what it is that we wanted to do. We went in, we talked about it, and then the positional coaches got to work. And for me, Todd, that was just, like, <laughs> epic, man. I hate to just say that. It, it was just epic. It was epic to see that unity of purpose and epic to see that response from my coaches and then to see it from our kids. I mean, that's everything that we're talking about in this, in this, in this business. At least it's everything that we're talking about you know, is at some point in time, uh, football dies for all of us. At some point in time, you don't play anymore, man. And so who are you going to be in that moment? Because being down 36 to 6 at halftime in a playoff game is not going to be the greatest obstacle that you face throughout the entirety of your life. In fact, losing a football game at halftime on the scale of 1 to 100 in terms of hardest obstacles in my life is like a 3. Yeah, I was going to say, in some cases, it may not even make the top 100. Right? <laughs> it's like it's, it's a three because you know, yeah. it's a football game. Right. So what are we really teaching here? Right? That's the, that's the million-dollar question. Are we teaching football? Sure. Are we teaching how to approach things in your life when you don't always get the result that you want? Absolutely. What it is that you need to do with the people around you when what it is that you've planned out might not be working exactly the way you wanted it to? Absolutely. Because those of us who've been on earth for a while know that a lot of life is that, right? And that for me is, you know, I mean, I want to win a playoff game as much as the next guy. But the other part of me will take that over a playoff win because, man, am I proud of the ability of my guys to do that, my players and my coaches. I have never been prouder um, of our football program than I was that night at, out at Danvers and – and we lost. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and not to necessarily pick out any one player. You were proud of the whole team, but uh, certainly, uh, you know, looking just through the set stats here, I mean, the one of the names that jumps out to me is your quarterback, Avery Arno, now playing in his, uh, at that point, his eighth uh, varsity, uh, making his eighth varsity start. 
and uh, he completed a uh, career-high 17 passes, the 160 yards, uh, second to uh, only the, the Reading game that I referenced earlier, which kind of makes some sense because in both games you had to you know, come from behind. Uh, certainly more uh, was the case in this playoff game. Uh, just talk about uh, you know, just what you've seen uh, from Arno and his growth uh, throughout his, uh, his rookie campaign as a starting varsity quarterback. Yeah, super proud of Avery. You know, he had a rough start to that game. First half wasn't great. Missed some throws, then he came out and 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 uh, threw the interception. And you know, I know he was really frustrated about that one. And man, am I proud again! Same sort of deal. I mean, he had to come down for those two quarters after that and field general his team down the field. You know, and he did exactly that. You know, so I'm I'm really proud of the kid. You know, and he, we didn't throw the ball as much against Burlington the subsequent week. We'll talk about it, but his mechanics and his action and his attention to footwork and his read structures. He had some he had some big runs um, in that game against Burlington, including a touchdown run. Um, he's really come a long way. You know, and the kid that we see you know at the helm of our team right now um, has really progressed in terms of his understanding of the little things that he needs to do as a quarterback to be great um, and trusting kind of the system and the timing and all the stuff that we've been working to, to really develop. I mean, this kid's his ceiling is his ceiling is high. He's he just has a great affable attitude towards him, you know, and he has a good day. He has a bad day, but he's just having an Avery day and he comes out and works to get better. And, um, you know, we're really lucky. We're really lucky to have him at the front of our offense and, and really lucky to have him in our in our locker room. You know, and it's funny in Burlington, I, I joke that. You know, my coaches joke, too, that one of the things we need to do for, for Aves is keep him relaxed, you know. So, uh, against Burlington, yeah, he was rocking this kind of long white undershirt. So, uh, every time he came over to get the call from, from Alex, you know, I would go over and I would just adjust his undershirt. I said, I'm just making sure the undershirt looks good, but you look good now. You're ready to go, you know. And then Alex would adjust it, and then I would adjust it, and we'd make the call, and he'd go. And, you know, he fell loose, and, and he had a good day throwing the ball there, and 7 for 13. You know, we didn't get a ton of yards because we were focusing on other aspects of our game, but his, his efficiency was great, and that's what we want. I feel like he's getting more and more efficient, honestly, as the season goes on. You know, Lex was a bad day, but, you know, you look at, like, 3 for 13 against Framingham, 6 for 11 against Woburn, then 13, 25, 7 to 13. Lex was a rough one. 8 to 15 against Arlington, 17 to 27 against Danvers, 7 to 13 against Burlington. We're, we're working in the right direction in terms of efficiency and completion. Yeah, no, he's uh, right. I mean, he's uh, he's grown. He's uh, you know uh, got a, a very supportive dad too. Uh, John Arno's John, the man. Yeah, John is John is the man. Having having attended some games just as a fan and and seeing John's uh, enthusiasm and everything. Uh, no, I, there I, we go. I'm, I'm I'm calling out parents' names you again. Are, but I'll the say time. this about John Arno, man. John Arno <laughs> loves he loves his family and he loves football. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I got a lot of love for John Arno, and we have a, another one of his sons, Tyler, is a freshman. Um, oh, okay. Little Tyler Arno is a freshman. Okay. Um, he's a talented player too. So, what's he projecting know. to be positionally? Uh, he's he's been a running back on the freshman team. Okay. Um, he'll probably be a running back as he comes up too. So well, conceivably next year could be Arno handing off to Arno. Maybe. It could be. I I mean I we have some sophomore running backs currently. Um, who are probably going to – I didn't say 20 times. Yeah, maybe every so often. No, we have some guys like Chad Francis is going to be, yep. a, is gonna be a, a junior next year, has really shown mm -hmm. some promise. Cedric Toussaint is coming along. Mm -hmm. um, he's had some carries throughout the year. You know, these two guys are, 
probably the two guys who were slated to move into the O'Connell Joseph spot, right? Or the, you know, the Mackay Ben Jones spot. Mm. um, Well, Kelly and Rakai are saying, hey, don't give up those spaces. Yeah, we still got a couple of weeks. No, they got a couple, (laughs) they got a couple weeks left. But I mean, you know, that's, that's always kind of what we're trying to do is, you know, part of creating a program culture and consistency within the program is, you know, developing depth that goes throughout. So, uh, you know, Tyler will, We'll see what little Ty Arno does when he comes up next year. Okay, well, let's move on. Uh, you, since you started talking about it last week's uh, game at Harris Field, a bonus home game for the yep. Marauders, uh, uh, having uh, dropped out of the, the playoffs uh, and kind of uh, kind of a little retro Middlesex League. Yeah. Uh, it's not not the ML12 as it's now called. It's the original Middlesex yep. League, the one we all all of us old farts grew up and remember well. And Burlington was a regular weekly uh, annual staple on that schedule and. Uh, uh, you got to host the uh, the Red Devils, is it? Yep, the is Red it? Devils. Okay. Here I was talking about it, and then I almost forgot their name. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, you guys win 28-7, all the points in that game. I think were scored in the first half, if I read the tweets correctly. Uh, it sounded like that was the halftime score, and then there wasn't any scoring in the second uh... half unless I – Got that wrong, but I mean, maybe I was I reading. Like the, I was we reading might at, have, at Marauder F Ball. Yeah, was plugging we might, Twitter again. We might have so. gotten one in the third quarter. Okay. Um, uh, and also uh, in the first quarter, though, you opened the scoring, uh, or at least uh, the opening score for the Marauders, uh, uh, making a little bit more history. You had a kickoff return for a touchdown, defensive touchdown, firsts in the Coach Q era, as you mentioned. So uh, uh, Brennan Westgate takes his place among those firsts uh, with a, uh, a 67-yard punt return. You want to? Yeah. Since I didn't get to see this, you want to talk about this play and uh, how it happened? And, and Brennan Westgate, I don't remember him uh, returning punts this. No, season. he. So that was that actually happen? his. First First career punt return, uh, and he took it to the wow. house. Wow, nowhere to go but down from there. Sorry, yeah. Brennan. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, not to not to sell Brenny out. He fumbled the next one. Oh, jeez. Uh, we, stu- we, stu- we stuffed him up on the goal line and got him a stop. He, but he's a really talented young sophomore. Uh, um, no, I mean, they, have a, they had a quick kick set up that we'd seen on film where they let the quarterback drop a little bit deep and, mm-hmm. and kick. You know, and so, but they also were running a formation out of there with their quarterback in the shotgun. So we assume they can run play out of that if they want to. So instead of throwing LaFosse back there and making our full return pull, which has been our way all year, we just decided to uh, put Brenny back there because he's played some free safety for us and he's a sure handed punt returner. He's right there on the depth chart behind Joe. And, um, and let him sit back there, and um, you know he he got a punt. We got a couple of good blocks from uh, Santoro, got a good block in there, and um, you know he was able to make a guy or two miss, and went right up the sideline for for six. So we were, he was pretty pumped, and we were excited for Brenny too. He's a he's a great kid, man. He's a we call him Mini Gates because his older brother is Brett Westgate, is a D end. Right, right. uh, so Brennan is Mini Gates. Um, well, I also believe uh, his older brother was filling in. I think there was a couple times he filled in on the O line early in the season. Uh, yeah, he played too on uh, the defensive line against Burlington. Had his first career sack, so it was oh. a it was a kind of a Westgate night. You yeah, know? there you uh, go. Brenny was able to get his first open the gates. Uh, open the gates. The That's a good West, one. I didn't I'm, open the West gates. I'm now mad I didn't think about that. <laughs> Should have <laughs> said that. Um, so yeah, uh, we were really excited for Brenny. He was able to get up that far sideline there and take one to the house. And always, you know, a good way to start a game. Able to three and out three and out the offense and, and punt return for six. So good start. 
Yeah, and uh, Rakai uh, Joseph, well, boy, I mean, Killian O'Connell and Rakai Joseph, uh, wow. Uh, Killian, 17 carries for 119 yards, and then uh, Rakai, 11 carries for 162 and two touchdowns, five rushing touchdowns over the last uh, two weeks for Rakai, and I think there might have even been uh, – no, I, I was thinking of his receiving touchdown. Yep. That was uh, the week before. But, uh, you know, again, just uh, – yeah, I, I mean, that's uh, what? That's 281 yards rushing right there. Yep. He, he did quick math on the fly. Uh, it's uh, that it's is uh, one of your better rushing games, and I'm sure that wasn't even – I think you got some other carries in there uh, during the game too. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, did you just uh, – against Burlington, was that just the strength you went with? Because you mentioned, obviously, Avery only uh, attempted 13 passes. Uh, wasn't uh, – you know, the passing was a bit de-emphasized. You kind of you went back to what you were doing at the beginning of the year when you were a little bit more run-heavy. Yeah, I mean, I think we – you know, we've worked all – all year as a staff to kind of take what we feel defenses are giving us right I mean that's our our job as coaches is to try and figure out what we got and then go out there and teach our kids and then go out there and execute it so you know obviously some games we've we've done a good job of that and and some games we have as coaches have probably needed some improvement um the numbers are the numbers the wins are the wins the losses are the losses so you can see that you know we saw what some things that we like as a team in Burlington's defense in terms of alignment and approach um, that we thought could be beneficial to us in our in our run game. A lot of what we did was in our spread run package, so we were kind of excited about what it was that we had there. Um, and, you know, we ran for over 300 yards. I mean, Avery chimed in with another 35 or so to take us over the 300 mark, and he had a touchdown. Um, and so, yeah, it, it just – we had a couple of scheme mock-ups that drew up really well and were able to, you know, get Rakai and Killian into that second level, you know. And, and anytime you can get those – you've seen them. I mean, anytime you can really get those guys clear into the second or third level of the defense, man, I mean, they're just fast. You know, it's just hard to catch them. Our wide receivers had a great day blocking on the edge. That's what's turning 14-yard runs into into 70-yard runs or 34-yard runs or whatever. And our offensive line had a had a good day, um, securing blocks on the front. Our pulling guards um, in in Santoro and Hoffman, uh, or sorry, in Sagarian and Hoffman had had good days, um, getting up to their front side leads and. Um, it was just kind of a good all-around day for the running game. So we never really had to go, you know, to what it was that we had in our passing game because we were chunking yards. Mm -hmm. And you know our philosophy. I mean, if it's working, why why stop? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where we what we did. Sounds like Ryan Hoffman's become uh, a bit more of a regular on the offensive line. I mean, I know when the season initially started, he wasn't one of the, the starters on that line, but he's kind of worked his way. Yeah, Hoff won that job steps. probably in like week three or week four, and he's been there the, he's been there the whole time. Um, you know, it's enabled Derek to be a little bit fresher on the defensive side of the ball. And, Which we um, pointed out. In, yeah, he's and it, you know, and he's been able to do games. some good stuff there. And it's assignment football. You know, at the end at the end of the day, like assignment busts were problematic there. Um, and Derek certainly seems to love defense. I mean, some guys are just defensive guys, man, and he loves mm. playing D. Um, I could tell, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. And, and we had three guys to play two at the interior tackle spot with Derek Hoffman and uh, Kamiar Nuri 52, who's been great 
Uh, man, is he has he really come along as a what is it? Kamiar, Kamiar, K A M Y A R. I know. I think I've been butchering that yep. all season. Kamiar Nuri. E R. Yeah, I got the last name okay. I don't yep. know. I've been I've been saying Kamiar. I think so. That's man Nuri. Nuri's awesome. And so you know we we knew that we had some some role there, right? Mm-hmm. Like we had three guys to play two positions, so we can get guys rest and not lose depth. Um, so yeah, Hoff took that spot and he's, he's pretty much owned it ever since. And, uh, Brett Westgate is mixing it up a little bit in there, um, at the guard position too, giving us some depth. So, you know, it's great to see those younger guys contributing. Yeah. You gotta love that because you know, you're going to, of this, I'm sure at least five of these guys are coming back next year. So there's your, your, there's your line next year. We got, we got, you know, obviously we're going to lose Sam Seggs. Uh, we're going to lose our center, Narek Stepanian, Mm -hmm. and we're going to lose Bam Bam. And uh, but the guards are all back. We got some centers in the wings, you know, another okay. year of growth and in the weight room and, and, you know, try to build another offensive line next year. It's one of my favorite parts of one of my favorite parts of football is, is putting that hog unit together every year. Hmm. Well, again, uh, you know, uh, just uh, just as a reminder to our listeners, please, if you uh, you know, you have any comments, questions for the coach, uh, use the hashtag Q's for Q, Q S F O R Q. We'd love to. I'd love to read some to coach. Believe me, not, <laughs> not that I don't have enough questions, but uh, you know, I'm sure you folks can come up with something I haven't thought of. Oh, are there? Uh, speaking of things I haven't thought of, is there any other uh, anybody else you want to point out, or any other uh, thing you want to mention from the the last two weeks, a uh, couple of weeks that stood out for you? Uh, you know, either on an individual or a team basis. Yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, for Burlington, I thought that we we saw some really good performances defensively. Obviously, I mean, they scored one, and and we were able to keep them off the board. Um, Ryan Santoro at linebacker had one of his better games, um, was able to recover a fumble. Um, and Justin Rocha at corner, who, who we put on their junior receiver, uh, number 21, I forget his name. I usually do numbers, not names. Uh, that kid was a stud, and it was pretty clear early on that they were uh, really working to, working to target him a little bit. And, uh, you know, Coach Barge came over and said, let's let's get Roach on 21. I was like, yep, let's do that. And so, you know, we, we did that, and um, it really made a big difference, uh, really locking that kid up and, and stopping a lot of our roll sets where guys have to roll out of motions and all that and just playing a little bit more of a base set. So, so Roachy did a great job there. Uh, really great to see. Jared Edwards had a pick. Um, also kind of great to see, just in the right place, right time kind of pick. Um, real- I also think he took away a catch from him. He had 10 catches in the uh, Danvers game. I gave him 10, but I think in the initial stats you sent me, he only had nine. Really? And oddly enough, your stats didn't match up. You had you had Avery completing one more pass than there were uh, uh, receptions made. So I, I just gave Jared the 10th catch. Cause, cause oh, in, in the one, Danvers game? Yeah, because in one of the box yeah, scores I, I read, just they messed ha- up. Yeah, you had him for nine, but in one of the box scores I read, he had 10. So I, will, uh, I assumed that's where the discrepancy Jared was. Jared had 10 receptions, 10 yeah. receptions for 101. Uh, I, yes, right. That's correct. Yep. Well, you you had the hundred and one actually. Uh, the the box score that had ten only had him for ninety eight. But so I'm, I I'm the, letting you keep the yards for him, and I just added an extra okay. catch. So I shorted him so. a reception and yes. shorted Avery a completion. Yeah, yeah. It well, no, no, you didn't because because Avery. You oh, gave, Avery got the completion. What I'm saying is, but I, looked, I didn't give him. Yes. I didn't give the the yep. stat you showed me. So usually, that, if I'm totaling yes, it up, like right. I enter that stat, and I yeah. must have not entered the reception, but did enter the yardage. Yeah, or something and they were off by one. I was trying to figure out where the discrepancy. was. That's where it is. Good looks, Todd. Good looks. Crunching those numbers. 
That's that's what I'm, 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 that's not what I'm a, good for. It's I'm not it. a mathemologist. <laughs> that's about it. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's, it continues to be old home week as we uh, build our way up to the big Thanksgiving Day, uh, you know, the 97th edition against uh, Watertown. It's uh, first, though, it's, uh, you know, again, as uh, you, you kind of stay in, this is a three-game run you're going to have in the Freedom Division. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Melrose, another yeah. uh, old-time uh, Middlesex League rival. Uh, you will be actually going to uh, Morelli Field to, yeah. to their place uh, to play. Uh, anyway, the football field is Morelli Field, right? I've been on the baseball field, which is I called think Morelli so. Field. But, you, you got me. Yeah. Melrose. Yes, Melrose. <laughs> I, I know where the field is because it's I like – it, it's it, Melrose. Yeah, beyond left field at the baseball field, I can see the football field. In yeah. fact, when I was out there late summer, uh, they had the band out there practicing and the you know, color guard doing – I haven't been out practices. there since um, – it's a nice field. My second yeah. year at Stoneham, yeah, my second year at Stoneham, we played Melrose at Melrose for the league title. We lost. Had a good defensive yeah. game, but we lost. Well, that was that was a much older field. I mean, now it's got the you know they got the beautiful field turf uh, there uh, yep. on Tremont Street. I don't even. I'm assuming the field's in the same place, but they just turfed it. Looks like the, open. the stands are kind of newer or whatever. You know, it's a good place. Good yeah, facility. I'm fired up. I mean, yeah. Melrose. I'm I like the matchup. Uh, Melrose is a great football team, man, and and a great football program. You know, Timmy Morris is, that's a quality coach right there, you know, and, and we're, we're trying to march towards our, our, you know, the second of our three goals, which is obviously to have a winning record and we're four and five right now. Well, so. by the way, I do want to congratulate you so far. I mean, at four and five, you've already matched the win total, your, your, <laughs> your, your high win total for other seasons. So, yeah. uh, you know, getting that fifth win, well, I'm glad you brought that up because getting that fifth win for you would be, you know, an, that would be a best for you, in the, <laughs> yeah. you know, here in your, your, your fifth season here. But, yeah, I, well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it, uh, as you say, goals are goals. It's no, incremental. No, goals, goals, are, goals are goals, you know, and we're, you know. we're brick by brick, you know, so like right. the, the coach piece in me says like oh great you know five five win high on a five and six season but at the same time you know we've done a lot of really positive work here in belmont you know 100 years ago a five win season would have been really impressive (laughs) (laughs) yeah because they only played five games How is that like damning with fate praise? Way to go, Todd. I, I, again, Thanks, I, I'm, Todd. I'm trying to audition to be a Boston sports radio talk show. You do host, well. You got to throw a lot of you got to throw a lot of shade to do yeah, that. Yeah, you, you do. Know? Right, exactly. I'm just I'm still practicing on you, coach. So no, um, but <laughs> I, I would be. Look, I I'd be. I'm excited about our season as it exists right now. Um, I'll be more excited about it if we're able to rattle off too. Um, you know me. I'm a blinders on kind of guy. So right now I'm. Just looking at Melrose, we got our work cut out for us there. Um, we wanted to play good competition. Um, you know, we really wanted to 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 play a good football team and a well coached football team. You know, and let I I just let I didn't even really advocate at all this week in the selection committee. I just let the let the football gods do what they were. And I know that when you do that, you're usually going to get a get a good team. Um, you know, I. I just I'm excited for the opportunity to play them. Um, I'm excited to you know play within the Middlesex. I got a ton of respect for Coach Morris, man, and what it is he's been able to do there. Um, you know I've got some 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 memories of playing them when I was over in the small at Stoneham, um, yeah. and I'm just excited for the opportunity to go go over there and play a, a great team with great tradition. You know, um, and I think it puts us in. A good position playing good competition going into Watertown week you know sure. obviously Watertown week and Thanksgiving day man you know we we want that game so 
Watertown's always all gonna... of Belmont wants you to want that game. <laughs> oh man, I mean, I you know, I I game. I want that game bad, man. I mean, we've lost to that team four years in a row. Not to get ahead of ourselves, we've lost to Watertown four years in a row. We lost that one two years ago with with Mackay in his senior year that we should have won um, and got kind of hosed on a on a on a bad holding call on. <laughs> Hate to break it in to the, you, too, Coach. In it's, the fourth quarter, man. It, um, it's six games in a row. That well, the four are mine. I, 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 I don't count that, the, right? one, the, ones that, the ones that I wasn't here no, for. No, but, but all of Belmont's been waiting yeah, a while. Yeah, we've been waiting for a victory. <laughs> so, obviously, there's a lot of pressure on that game. And um, I don't think that the way to get ready for Turkey Day, which is kind of a season in and of itself, is to, is to drop down. Um, I want to play I want to play a, you know, a bear. Um, and, and Melrose is a – good football team man with some talented athletes and they're well coached and they're disciplined and they're physical um and we like to think that we're some of those things too you know so i'm really excited for this matchup um yeah they're five and four yep. uh, three and one uh, in the uh, the freedom division I, I feel ignorant on this are they the raiders as well or the red raiders I think or they're the red raiders okay and then the Watertown, of course, are the Raiders, too. Yep, so. they are also the Raiders. All right. Well, that makes it easy. Marauders, Raiders, a whole lot of uh, – The whole way. <laughs> a whole lot of walk on the plank. What, the what is – it's really an interesting question. Like, what's what? the – what is the obsession with – pirates or roving hordes of of well don't forget we villagers. also in this area we have buccaneers and corsairs too yeah, and corsairs <laughs> i mean what it's just i it, think that's a french pirate maybe yeah, it that's sounds a, kinda, a is corsair is I, it i'm sounds, gonna have to google that when we're done we could ask cedric toussaint no no so, <laughs> we actually got two players there i was speaking french what? with seti the other day uh, and then okay. we found out that altamari speaks french too so the three of us were carrying on mm. Our our side conversations in French. Altamar Joe speaks French at home, um, so we were talking in French all day. I don't know if there are a lot of football programs in the in the country that are doing that, but we were certainly doing yeah. it. I thought it was hilarious. Back in the days of NFL Europe, there might have been, but uh, don't know. No, I went to a, a couple of those NFL Europe games when I was over there, man. Oh, did good, you really? Yeah, some oh. good ball players over there. The Rhine Fire. That's right. The Rhine know. Fire. My mom worked in in uh, Bonn, Germany, Cologne. And so I was uh, right next to Cologne, and the Rhine Fire played wow. in, in Cologne. Okay. The Frankfurt Galaxy? Frankfurt Galaxy. Okay. Yep. The Scottish the Claymores. Scottish Claymores, the Barcelona Dragons. What uh, well-known Scottish Claymores kicker uh, is uh, perhaps, uh, well, I mean, he's pretty well-known around these parts, too. Is it Vinatieri? Was yeah. he a Claymore? He was a Claymore before he joined the Patriots in 1996. Wow, that is a tidbit I did not know. And he is still kicking. Well, I like to call those Todd bits. Todd I, bits. I, get... I literally, uh, I, <laughs> well, after a while, I'm like on, on, on the TV show, you You're know, out I keep of control, pulling out these Todd. tidbits. You're I know. out of control. <laughs> Someone hose me down, yeah, please. please. Uh, <laughs> get, this, get this man back within the wheelhouse. He's outside the street. Uh, Oh, boy. Well, uh, yeah. Well, you know, and not to let the cat too much out of the bag with regards to Watertown, too. We're hoping to have a kind of a, an extra special version of the TOS podcast, with, which, of course, if you've been following it the last few years with Coach Q, you know, we do a little something extra for Thanksgiving. This year, we're hoping to do even something a little more extra. So that's uh, still in the works, though. We don't want to let out too many. No spoiler alert. No spoiler. Right but, uh, well, uh, do you mind if we uh, switch subjects a little bit here? Are you done no, talking football? Don, uh, from, because, uh, it's your world, brother. I'm just living in it. <laughs> no, but this is, hey, I, as I say, it's the Toddcast with Coach Q. <laughs> the Coach Q part means a lot. So <laughs> I just thought uh, perhaps. Oh, uh, man. A little, little socks talk? Well, yeah, how'd you know? Yeah, thank goodness I didn't play Tessie. Uh, this is this is the real answer. This is the real deal. Yes. Not, not, Love that dirty not water, Tessie, boy. Not Sweet Caroline. Uh, let's get some uh, dirty water in here. But, 
I'll blame uh, YouTube for not having a very good cut of Charles. Yeah, a little. Uh, well, I guess we can keep it on for a little bit. But anyway, Great so song. yeah, you haven't had a chance. We haven't had a chance to touch base since the Red Sox won their fourth World Series of the oh, century. Mitch Moreland. Uh, yes, Mitch Moreland, your guy, <laughs> your guy, Mitch Moreland, did his uh, best Bernie Carbo impression. You may not remember who Bernie Carbo is. I know he is. Yeah, that was before my time, though. I think. Yes. Well, you know, the, in uh, Red Sox history, there have been three players to hit uh, pinch hit three run homers or actually pinch hit home runs at all in the World Series. Bernie Carbo, 1975. Mitch Moreland, 2018, and two games before, or three games before Mitch Moreland, Eduardo Nunez. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> they each had pinch hit two three-run homers. Yeah, no, that is just uh, I didn't unbelievable. Even, I didn't even register that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think, did you did you say Red Sox at five? I know I said six. I was being I said Sox at five. One. Yeah, everyone's, uh, you're right, because I pointed out that everyone said five, and yep. I think then I said, you said I said I Sox and five, and, and Mitch yeah. was my player. Yeah, I wish my fantasy football team was as reliant on my predictive capabilities as as the Red Sox were. Because man, am I losing there? But um, no, I I, I said. Well, Sox Nick and might five. have played more if it wasn't for the World Series MVP, Steve Pierce. Steve Pierce, Pierce man, was, eight uh, RBIs, man. Yeah, he was uh, he was something else. Hard uh, to de- hard th- to deny that. Three home runs in the last two games kind of stole the MVP honors from David Price. Who, yep. boy, I'll tell you, you know, he was just as equally deserving. Pitched in three. Uh, Three, four of the five games, yeah. I think, and, and he was warmed up in another I'm one. Just, but, I'm uh, stoked for Price, man. I, I mean, like I know him, I don't know him, but I, I'm, I'm really happy for David Price, man, because I've always seen him as a really talent. Obviously, I mean, he's a really talented pitcher, and I just, you know, felt like Boston was kind of a market that was tough for him to buy into or you know boston wasn't buying into him or he wasn't buying into boston well i I mean once he signed the big contract i think you know a lot of fans had those expectations and then you know and then just to shake off the playoff monkey generally for him you know like to get that kind of weight off of his back well i think it was more like an 800 pound gorilla yeah man the losses in the postseason were like an anvil um anytime you're 0 and 10 right and postseason right starts essentially um so yeah, he was fantastic. He was absolutely. But, but fantastic. once he won that Houston uh, clincher, game five there, I I think to me, I thought the sky was the limit at that yeah. point, and we may have been on after. No, actually, we weren't. Now that I think about it, but uh, or maybe we were. I think we were. I think we okay, were on yeah. after they clinched the. the oh, but before the, it, oh, we were on the, the night series. the series just it was game one. We were on yep. uh, yes because we left here to go go we watch game one. to go one watch of, game yeah, one. There we go. So right, uh, but yeah, I thought at that point I thought any you know I. I wasn't surprised the way he pitched in the World Series because I figured once he had that big weight lifted off of him, he was there was no more pressure and he yeah. could go out there and, and just pitch. And in fact, to the extent that Cora even uh, did the same three days rest with him again yep. and brought him back in for Game Five, he figured uh, maybe he wanted to also avoid uh, having uh, Price pitch in, in possibly colder temperatures in Boston. Yeah, for a and game a smaller six. park. Yeah, um, yeah, a lot of uh, reasons. It, it was certainly the right move because. Price was brilliant in that yeah. final game. I think it was a good move too, man. I mean, I think you 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 pitch him there, and then you got Sale ready to go for Game Six at home. Mm-hmm. You know, if you lose, I think yeah. that's kind of what they were thinking. Let's put let's put David in the big ballpark, um, not at home, without the additional you know Fenway Park pressure. Um, and if if he has a great out and great, we win the series. And if he doesn't, then we've got we've got Sale ready to go in Game Six. And as it was, Sale uh, got to close out we've Game Five. And out. I guess he was the first pitcher in like almost a hundred years to like pitch the f- it's a the pitch first the first thing of Game pitch. One. Yeah, first and last pitch of That's the cool of the series. Yeah, it is. Uh, or um, actually, that one's not even a Todd bit because I read it somewhere yeah. else. And I mean, I he wasn't I, even close to a hundred percent either. You know, I mean, it, no. he was pitching somewhere probably with like sixty to seventy percent. I think of like full health and full capacity. So it was a pretty gutsy, 
pretty gutsy close um, by him. He's I love watching Chris Sale pitch, man. I can't I can't wait to see him again. Yeah, it was um, it was an easy move, easy decision for the Sox to pick up his option. He just reminds me of like a short Randy Johnson. Like I just I don't know why, but it's I just see this kind of very similar like long limby body, kind yeah. of skinny, um, just with great action. You know what I mean? Like and speed. You know, and it's really like rare to see that much action on pitches with that much speed. Um, and he's just masterful. He's he's masterful. He's like the best pitcher we've seen in a Sox jersey, I think, since Pedro. Okay, I was gonna say. I mean, we've seen a lot of good Red Sox pitchers over the the years. I mean, Pedro was, you know, it's like watching Mozart, right? Or listening to Mozart live, mm-hmm. you know. But Sale's pretty close. Well, they both you had that kind of kind of similar sort of sidearmish to three quarter yeah, delivery as well. I mean, I watched. I got to see Pedro two hit the Indians. The best seats I've ever had at Fenway were two rows behind home plate for Pedro start against the Indians, and he two hit them through wow. eight innings, and it was the coolest experience of my my sports spectator life because you could just wow. see it. I was right, you know, right there. Um, that was really cool. Um, but yeah, and I think they got some contributions from some other guys in that pen too, man. Like Joe Kelly, Fight Club Joe Kelly. Coming out throwing cheese, you know. I'm very curious to see what happens with his contract. Well, he is a free agent. He's a free and, agent. And should expect to, uh, yeah, I'd be curious to see what kind of market there is for him. Um, and I'm curious to see what happens with, with you know, Kimbrell. Yeah, well. Whose agent has been talkative. Right. I mean, the Red Sox apparently have uh, extended him the uh, qualifying offer, which I think is just – uh, shy of 18 million uh he will turn it down which means that if he is to sign somewhere else that uh you know the Sox would get a compensatory draft pick which you know is something i yeah. suppose better than nothing truthfully the way kimbrell pitched in the postseason and for what his agent is kind of asking for and is calling him one of the greatest closers of all time. Of all time. First of all, did you watch the playoffs with the rest of us? Because yeah, he wasn't man. even the best closer in the, these playoffs. I saw I that mean, quote today on my news feed, and I chuckled to myself. It's just hyperbole trying to drive those offers up, man. Yeah. I, and, think, and, he's, and I think he's gone. And he doesn't even have Beelzeboris for an agent, right? No. no. Who okay. is this? <laughs> Be so, oh, that's well. Well, he's who is his agent? He's the sports the, devil. I, I, no, I was an old. That's a that's an old nickname I came up with long ago for Mister. That's for, for Mister uh, Boris. Yes. There. That's well, yeah, because he's just you know he's the, he's the devil. He's destroying. So he's pure evil. You know, no, not for his plight. Not for anybody who has him as a you know their agent. But no, uh, you he's know, doing quite well for. He's, he's doing, doing well for them, but for, for us fans, well for no, no. Truthfully, I would just as soon let uh, Kimbrel go uh, because he's asking for multi years at like fifteen to twenty million a year. Yeah. He's 30 years old. He's there's a lot of wear and tear on that arm. And then just look. I mean, it's not like he went. He was pitching like Mariano this October. So no. Well, I mean, my uh, my college classmate John Morosi says that the Cards are looking at him. Um, John's an MLB Network now, I think, or Fox or Fox oh, you, Sports you, guy. You guys were uh, classmates at Harvard. Yeah, or? we oh, were both class of okay. class of 04. So so wow. John says that John says the Cards. He's got his whole November market breakdown. I gotta wow! I, I can't give believe a the Cards to, Give a shout out to yeah, John. Yeah, definitely. But I can't believe uh, the Cardinals of all teams would want to kind of throw out that kind of money for a closer. I mean, they couldn't. Couldn't they have brought Rosenthal back for yeah. less? Or uh, for I know significantly less. Yeah, I mean, I know he's had some injury issues the last uh, couple of years. 
It's going to be an interesting offseason here. Well, full confession, how long did you stay up uh, for game three? Did you How many innings did um, you make it? I made it till I didn't make it all the way. I didn't either. I made it to the to – the, I heard top of the 17th. And that's I didn't even make it there. I, I, think I, I think I made it to the 14th. Oh, okay. If I were thinking back, I think I made it to the 14th. Um, and at that point, it was it was like 2 in the morning. Yeah. For the 14th, the start of the 14th. Yeah. And, and I was just like I, – I went to sleep. Um, I just couldn't do it. I don't know if that makes me less of a no. Less of a I didn't make it like either. I when mean, did that game end? Uh, like three 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 thirty or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. just I was out. Yeah, well, I don't blame you. I mean, I watched the first part of the game at, at a local watering hole, and then we left after eleven that, innings, went know. home, caught a couple more hours of the game at home, and uh, yeah, you know, as I said, made it to about the top of the seventeenth. That's the last just thing I actually remember. Epic, epic. Uh, and I just and, I love beating Manny Machado. Like I just. Oh, the fact that he made the well, right. The fact that he also I just made the, love beat. I lo, anytime, yeah. like even when he was in Baltimore, obviously, like I just I love it when mm-hmm. the Sox beat Machado. Yeah, well, fitting that he was to make that last out too, and sure look, was. look kind of foolish doing it going down yep. to a knee, and you know just the, the that play where he steps on Pierce's foot, where he had he had the entire first base bag, yep. and he like it's just oh no, it's just and you, you know what he's gonna be, you know what he's gonna be punished for that. Someone's gonna give him thirty million a year for yeah. 10 years. Well, I'm yeah. I hope he stays. he's a great ball player, so I kind of hope he stays in the National League. <laughs> For now, um, yeah, I don't know what sort of markets even out there for him. Supposedly the Yankees aren't even that interested in no, him, but uh, they don't need him, you know. But but talking about uh, guys who the Red Sox would probably like to bring back, I mean, we mentioned, you know, you mentioned obviously Kimbrel and uh, Kelly, but what about Nate and Valdi? I mean, I think you got to sign. You got it. You got to yeah. sign. You got to sign Nate. You got to sign him. Um, I mean, he's 29, coming off two Tommy Johns, but but look how hard he's throwing. No, I mean, he's. He, I don't know how many years you want to give him based on the two Tommy Johns, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, also it doesn't necessarily make you worse, you know. I mean, no, I mean, Tommy, well, Tommy you, John makes you effectively better, makes makes you a little bit more resilient well, in the arm until you blow it out and you need another one. But I don't know if anyone's yeah. ever had three Tommy John. That's Johnson pretty picks. rare, to be perfectly honest. Like him having two is pretty rare. I don't yeah. know if there are a ton of guys who have had two Tommy John surgeries. Um, and and you know, throwing a hundred and two in in the eighteenth. He's twenty nine, so he's probably you know he's probably got another. What three three good years in him? Yes, throwing triple digits at three in the morning Eastern time, oh, yeah. <laughs> and on his like you know pitching almost a hundred pitches that night. I yeah. mean that was just incredible. That I, was a pretty incredible. That was a pretty incredible. Performance. You know after I when I woke up the next morning and heard that they had lost, I'm going oh my god. I mean the fact that you know Evaldi throws all those pitches, he was supposed to start Game Four. <laughs> I mean, their pitching staff is absolutely screwed. It's a two-one series now, and then they're down four nothing yep. after six innings. You know, the next night, and you know, the thing, it looks like it's going to be a best of three all of a sudden. It did, and it just, it, it just how they turned. I mean, I was talking uh, actually on another podcast. I was uh, talking to a Red Sox beat writer, and I said the two words to me that sum up these Red Sox more than anything: uh, resilient and relentless. Yeah, I mean, they showed them both uh, throughout the postseason uh, because, like you said, I mean, a lot of there were a lot of. Uh, you know, players you didn't expect to be yeah. stars uh, to kind of stepped up, whereas a lot of the big names that you might have thought were going to produce really yeah. didn't. And like Mookie in that 14 inning game had a, or what was the final? It wasn't even 14 innings. Which 17 one? inning game. Or 18. 18 inning oh, yeah. game. Mookie in that long one, he was like 0 oh, yeah. for 1 for 7 or something like that. I don't that. think he had it. I think he was 0 for. Yeah. Was he 0 for, for, the, for the full game? I mean, um, you know, yeah. I think it's, I, I really, I like this team from jump. It just, they had a kind of air of fun-loving cockiness to them, and then they just they had a, a bunch of pieces, man. So you know you've got these 
these big bat pieces who are who are going to contribute. But I don't know. Like I'm trying to think back to previous World Series, and I just I, I always feel like it's not somebody. It's oh. not a big market guy who wins you the series, you know. Like, oh, it's always some like some guy off the bench, a role player. Right? It, yeah, it's it's always some role player. You know, you've played a full season, you've gone all the way through the playoffs. Buddy arms Bianca are tired, Lana. legs are tired. Yeah, you know, like it's Kurt always, Bavakwa. It's like all these guys. Like I, I can give you a bunch of names, like right? Who? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And, and uh, so Mitch Morland. Mitch Morland, <laughs> man, and and honestly, like Steve Pierce. Yeah. Like you, if you ask me at the start of the at the start of the playoffs, if the Sox go to the World Series, who's going to be the World Series MVP. I I wouldn't have said Steve Pierce. Would you? No. So yeah, you know, like I'm sure Dombrowski would have since he traded you know, sure, for him. Sure. He was hoping. He's <laughs> saying that now for sure. Yeah, good but, old good old Dombo. Uh, I think we talked about this before, but because I know you know you've called some baseball. Uh, actually, you've called some Belmont High baseball. Yeah, as a love calling. Fact. Yes, love calling it. Yes, and I, I I hear good things. I hear you're like the Joe Buck of the BMC. Oh, don't say that. No, That's no, no. Horrific. Okay, well you know, did can we I have... be can I be somebody else? Well, I take that as an insult. Then this is the segue. I guess maybe we haven't talked about this. Then what do you? Uh, you're not a big Joe Buck uh, on baseball. I mean, there are things I hate about him, and I will. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. One of them is I know he's already gone on record publicly saying that he hates doing baseball, and he's the son of the yep. legendary, you know, uh, Jack Buck. I forgot Jack his Buck. Right. You know, I I can't believe what I just saw. You know, Kirk Gibson and you know uh, Ozzy Smith. Uh, he'll, you know, and, but um, no, I'm not a big Joe Buck. Guy. You're not. Okay, so I'm. I'm also not a big when I don't. I don't know if he's still. Joe, I'm not a big Joe Morgan guy either. Uh, Joe Morgan, I, think, I believe, is not. He's not, he's not on any calling networks. games, but he used so. he used to be Joe Buck's partner back in the day. And actually, I, I think say, he was John Miller's partner was he? on Sunday Night Baseball. I don't think he ever did games with Joe. Never. Buck. I'm going to Google that too. Okay. But I always said that that was the that was the one. That was what the, else are you googling? You, you said two. I don't even know what else. You're I'm trying, <laughs> I need to Google what a Corsair is. Oh, oh yes, right. Um, <laughs> Way back when, I think we did talk something about Corsairs. But uh, I always but said anyway. that Joe Morgan was the only guy I hated more as a baseball commentator than Joe Buck. He would um, well, not if you had insomnia. I think he was very <laughs> helpful there because he would just he would like sap all the he, he was kind of like this black hole that just would kind of suck all the energy out of a out of what might have been an exciting or interesting or riveting ball game. Yeah, uh, and then you had John Miller, uh, his partner, who used to do like Vin Scully impressions and and all this, and you know he's kind of wacky, goofy play by play guy. The no, two he was them, with John Miller, twenty one seasons. Yeah, right. I mean, the two of them were just they couldn't have been more opposite in their yep. styles. It's just no, it's uh, Joe Buck really, and Tim McCarver. Yes. Okay. Did you have something to say about Tim? Mar- Tim nope. McCarver's nope. retired now, nope, so he's, he's uh, gone. Uh, actually, John Smoltz is, uh, you know, the one calling the games with Joe Buck now. And what I was going to point out during this series, well, first of all, see, I I thought Buck and Smoltz were a breath of fresh air compared to the guys <laughs> that were calling the uh, the first two rounds of the Red yeah, Sox who playoffs. Did, on who CBS. did those? Who did those games? Well, it was Ron Darling on color, the former New York Mets pitcher yeah. who's from around these parts, and you know, uh, originally and. Uh, yeah, he so he was on, and then uh, I forgot the he's one of their uh, generic announcers. I just thought that they really didn't provide a whole lot of excitement or couldn't meet the moment. And so, I mean, you can say what you want about Joe Buck, and I understand he's very polarizing as a broadcaster for a myriad of reasons. But the one thing I'll say is he understands the moment. Like that World Series, he picked. You know, he was calling it like these were this yeah, is a World Series. Like it was a World. It, series. it was something important. I mean, the Houston series to me, for all the the drama and everything of that series. It just felt like he was. Those announcers were calling a spring training game, and it yeah. just lacked any enthusiasm. I mean, I mean, if it was me behind the mic or you, I mean, you certainly would have given it the the gravitas that those games deserve. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have some juice. 
That's for sure. I mean, I don't know. I just I know that Joe Buck's a, a legendary broadcaster. I know that he's the son of a legendary broadcaster. I just I've never really felt an affinity. I always like guys who just provide insight, right? Like quality insight. Like I've always liked that in broadcasters. You know, well, but that's not necessarily Joe Buck's job. He's the play. No, by even play, as a, but, but even as a play by play guy, man. Yeah. I, you know, like I, that's why I think I always liked like. Uh, I'm gonna get a lot of flack for this. Like I always like McDonough um, for that. Sean I did. McDonough Sean, was a McDonough. Huge Sean McDonough. Love Sean McDonough. No um, offense. I when they replaced him with Don Orsillo, and, and believe me, I, I like Don Orsillo. I like Don too. But I I was kind of you know, I missed Sean McDonough. I mean, I thought it was kind of sad that he had to get hired at the expense. But then of Sean for McDonough. yep. But then yeah. also for baseball, I just I love personal because you watch the you know you get used to watching your guys right. So you know you you know you get used to like back in the day watching Don and Jerry or whatever, mm. and, and you start to get used to those relationships and the affinity that those guys have for each other. And I don't know, I just don't feel that with Joe Buck. Well, he is a national announcer, so you shouldn't. I mean, it, there's a difference between watching the same guys, you know, like why? on the Red why does Sox there have broadcast. To be? Well, because you're watching them over like a course of a full season and a hundred. But they're just so glossy. Games, but they're so glossy. Well, I mean, I th- you know, Joe Buck isn't calling 162 baseball games. He kind of just jumps in at the well, end. Maybe so. he should. <laughs> well, he's calling other things for Fox, like he does, like the U.S. Open golf, and yep. he's, he does football, obviously NFL football. Yep. Uh, I mean, the one thing I, I will say about Buck is he can rise to the moment he did there. I mean, actually, before Pierce hit, uh, I think it was the home run uh, in Game Four. I could hear the last words he said before Pierce uh, swung at the pitch that went uh, over the fence. He said. Uh, the Red Sox one through four hitters were 0 for 41, <laughs> uh, you know, since the beginning of Game Three. Yep. And then Pierce go, you know, right on that very pitch, gone. I mean, you know, to, I call those the the reverse verbal graphic. Yeah. Well, or, or a lot of times, you know, you'll see it on broadcast. They'll put a graphic on the screen, and it's almost like they're goading the opposite so thing to, have happen. to happen. Like this, teams are like a, a thousand and zero in this situation. That's, or they've the, never... that's the gambler's fallacy. Right. You know? Right. So, but the, and so to me, then there's the verbal graphic, which was Joe Buck yeah. saying 0 for 40. One next pitch, bang! You know, there you go. Thank you, Joe Buck. Thank you, Joe. Right, so there you go. I mean, I can't really talk. You know, he's calling the World Series. I'm calling. By the way, John Smoltz may be the next great baseball color man because always love Smoltz. Yeah, you know, because he's brilliantly smart. Well, before the uh, Nunez home run, well, you talk about your. You know, I'll just. Uh, Give you an example of his brilliant intelligence was uh, game one, right? As Nunez was up during that at bat, he goes, well, this isn't a good matchup for uh, the pitcher they had brought in Wood. They said this is a good matchup for Nunez because he likes to go after. He's a good bad ball. I remember that. Remember right before before he swung it? He's a good good bad ball hitter. Right. And, of course, so Wood throws a bad ball, and then Nunez jacks it into the uh, monster seats. That that pinch hit, Did you hear the interview that he gave after that game? Where he was talking about um, the thought process about how Cora had prepared him for that pinch hit. Oh yeah, yeah. Where he's he's he was ex- pretty much said exactly that. Alex came to me the day before and he said, "If we get into this situation and they bring this guy into the game, I'm going to put you into pinch hit because this is what he's going to throw you and you're going to take it yard." So I just went and watched a lot of film on that on that pitch, you know. And I'm sitting there going, "Holy Lord, right? What a what." 
what quality management there. Yeah, know? I mean, any any wonder that, you know, that, that just sums up Alex Cora's entire season. It seems like every decision he made was the right one, but it wasn't because, you know, it, it was all the work that and the preparation that was involved in that. Nowhere to of, go but down. Very, right, very, yes, exactly, <laughs> well, that too. But, uh, Our expectations you know. will be high for, for future seasons. Yeah, yeah, right, I, yeah, exactly. I don't know where he can, uh, you know, go uh, – you know that might be the case with Marauders football too. If they win uh, games, uh, uh, no, five you and know, six even if here. we win these last two, we still got a lot of room for improvement. Uh, so, you yeah, know, still well, going to work to get better. Yes, well, uh, you know, Coach, certainly uh, a good luck uh, this week. Thank you. Uh, you know, uh, against Melrose, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be touching base, of course, uh, before the. Uh, the Thanksgiving uh, Day game with uh, Watertown, as we said, our big, uh, our big uh, Thanksgiving preview. Thanksgiving special, special. You know, as it is always special. And let's get uh, some cues. Just yes, let's get some cues. We'd like that. Uh, just a uh, reminder as we wrap up uh, this one uh, that all of our podcasts with Coach Q they can be found online at BelmontMedia.org/podcasts, also on SoundCloud.com by searching Belmont Media. Listen at your convenience by downloading the free SoundCloud app available on both iTunes and Google Play stores. And, of course, uh, links to these uh, weekly talks with Coach Q are posted on both Facebook and Twitter. You can become a Facebook fan by searching Town for Sports Talk. And our Twitter handle is at TOSTBMC. Coach Q's Twitter handle is at Q underscore Coach. So uh, until next time, for Coach Q, I'm Todd Bologniar saying once again, Go Marauders! And thank you for checking out the TOST Toddcast right here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network.